giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen. And I'm your other host, Chad Pytel. And this week, we're rejoined by our friends at Shearshare, Ty and Courtney Caldwell. Thanks for joining us again. Hello, how y'all doing? Thanks for having us again. Happy to be here. So this week, we're talking about marketing. And I think we touched on this over the course of our conversations. A lot of what you've been doing is putting content out there. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of Shearshare and and say, like, what did marketing mean to you at the beginning? What was your Mm. sort of initial approach? Oof back in the beginning you know honestly we were just trying to catch everything that came our way right Mm -hmm. so um you know because this was a problem that we were trying to solve ourselves initially everyone who called in you know it was almost like a one-on-one concierge kind of flow so if a stylist called and we hadn't yet launched in we'll just say austin texas for example then we collect all the information that they were looking for, the types of salon or barbershop spaces they were interested in, in renting out by the day, what their budget was, if they needed something with wheelchair accessibility, et cetera. Um, and then we'd hop on Google and Yelp and start calling around to different salons, believe it or not. And as you can well imagine, um, that is not the easiest way or the quickest way to scale. It does provide you um, a level of trust and kind of vulnerability that the stylist or the salon and barbershop owners working with you to kind of build this thing from scratch. And so I think because service and support was always top of mind for, for us, even from day one, that really provided us a little bit of forgiveness if our tech wasn't you know, always A+. It allows us to have a little a leverage as well because we come from the industry. So it was easy for us to explain something that they were already in a community of. And so building a platform that was going to be conducive for a new behavior, a new way of life, and also that could help them keep money in their pocket was something that is very easy to explain. Anytime you're talking to somebody and you can help them in an economical and a financial way, you know, they're willing to listen. So a lot of that marketing came from just personal experience. Mm-hmm. And and plus we had no money, right? So, <laughs> so it, it was easy. It's like, you know, how many things do you want to do? Okay. Gas money was what? the only money we had to drive where we need to go. That's true. And we really just kind of stayed in Texas. You know, we, we put ideas up on the board and say, okay, is there a cost associated with that? Okay, we'll clearly X that out. Is there a cost associated with this one? No, there's not. Great. Leave that up as a viable option. Mm. Is there a cost associated with number three? Okay, we'll take that off the board. It doesn't exist in our world. And so we just started doing things that we knew we could do. So we knew we could have conversations with our fellow salon and barbershop owners. We knew that we could call our stylist friends and chat with them. We knew that if we got one stylist booking that she or he may go out and share that with at least three to five other stylists. And in the grand scheme of things, that's really what marketing is. Marketing mm-hmm. is giving content, giving literature that comes from your thoughts, from whatever you say verbally to your team or to your marketing strategies. And you're just putting it on paper, you're putting it on text, whatever you can do. So we were actually doing it in person, which I thought was a better concept in the beginning days, because now, you know, you can match the face with the idea. Mm-hmm. And then that person having that that really close and personal connection was, was key for us at that time. 
Hey, that's a really good point. Like the literature of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember having conversations and, you know, we would say things really it was me saying things one way and hearing how the stylist would kind of repeat that and regurgitate that back to me. You know, that really led us to, you know, how we talk through our marketing even today. And you both kind of have interesting marketing backgrounds, certainly different from maybe a, a technical founder, mm-hmm. a developer founder. Courtney, yours is pretty clear. You are an actual marketer. <laughs> and then Ty, you were opening salons. You released a book. Those things have lots of marketing involved. Absolutely. Let me tell you something. And in order to do that, you're, you're, you're talking to people all day long. So mm-hmm. you're not only selling a product of whatever you're using, you're selling yourself. So the marketing was up close. It was personal. It was in your face. And so speaking to people, whether it was hiring marketers at the time or hiring stylists uh, in my shop, it was something that I'm just close to. Now, I don't call myself a marketing specialist, but it just comes naturally because those are some of the tools and those are some of the expertises that you have to have indirectly uh, if you're trying to build a business. You guys have heard us say it before. We're really the perfect marriage. And, and even when I think about marketing at Shearshare and how perfect our synergies are so much aligned is that, you know, I live and have lived for many years in the digital world, right? So, you know, anything online or, you know, uh, ad spend or SEO, PR, um, online events related, you know, that was kind of my demand gen expertise. And then Ty um, is very much a people person. So he's used to having to walk into rooms and chatting with people um, and addressing large audiences. And so having that mix just kind of innately embed between the two of us has really been um, something that we've, we've been able to kind of leverage. Even going into events today where Ty is speaking, sometimes like a partner of ours like L'Oreal will bring us along and he's speaking at one of the, the largest beauty shows um, that happen every year, maybe like a premier Orlando or CT Barber Expo. And so again, he's walking into rooms that he's very comfortable in and he loves that like in-person offline stuff. And then I can kind of hold up the slack with all things online. And so we're again, running in two different lanes a little bit, but running as fast as we can to try to, to drive growth. And that helps with ideas. That helps with thought-provoking things that we're looking for futuristically. Uh, that helps with waking up in the middle of the night and having ideas, whether it be a dream or whether it be something that came to you in a spiritual aspect. It's something that you have to write down. So I think that having that that marketing, that vision, background, it, it really helps when it comes to a person that comes from it manually. And then you're talking about a person that comes from it on the technical side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even think back to my days at Oracle. And, you know, running B2B demand generation, you know, across various continents, so different cultures, different localizations of languages or the way that you say things, things always tied back to, you know, how can we leverage thought leadership, right? How can we better educate someone to kind of ease them down uh, the demand gen funnel? Um, how does that translate over into Legion? And so same thing in the world of startups and definitely same thing in the world of sheer share is that. Fortunately, I get to see the person who represents thought leadership every day, which is my husband. And then together we figure out how to best educate users, whether that is something that we do online, like maybe um, a weekly webinar or our YouTube channel where he's spouting 30 years worth of experience, um, trying to, to elevate and to educate and to encourage potential share share users. Or it, it may just be lead gen specific, and that may fall in my camp where 
it's Google AdWords or it's um, SEM or it's trying to create an online conference, right? And so th those worlds always kind of mesh together. But it's very comical to me a little bit that you know, the same things, at least I was doing you know, 20 plus years ago, um, or the same things that we're doing even today. So you've said money was no object. So <laughs> I'm sure you went and hired a big design and branding company to come up with the name Shearshare, invested <laughs> tons no, of money no. in doing no? that. No? I don't think we've shared no, that's how, not we, it. how we got the name. No, I can't say that that's true. It's funny. It's, it's funny. We, then we think about that. We laugh a little bit. I never forget. We were we were flying we were to yeah. Silicon Valley because Courtney was going there for a meeting at uh, Oracle. Mm -hmm. And we was like, well, what would we call it? And I was like, well, we're in the sharing economy. I think that across the board, all these licensed professionals understand the word shears, not scissors shears mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what we call them we didn't want to call them anything else we wanted to gravitate to every licensed professional so i said shear and courtney was thinking something else and we was like she says a sharing economy you say yeah and then we would say we would say shear share and we laugh we said now we can think of something else and then we say shear share we laugh and then we write it down and see how it looks uh-huh and we wrote it down in and a notebook, we wrote it down in a notebook and, closed it. and closed it for like a a year at least I must oh, wow. didn't even think twice about it. Didn't think twice yeah, about it. But, but as soon as Ty came home and said, hey, this is what I experienced. You know, this stylist called me out of the blue, was asking some random question, uh, and then came back and said, I think this needs to be an app, Courtney. And we had no problem knowing exactly what the name was going to be. That's the magical moment. That's right. It was. It was on an airplane to the valley in a notebook. Done deal. How much do you think name matters when you're starting out like that? I think name is pivotal, yeah. pivotal to yeah. whatever you're you're building. I think it needs to resonate to the people that you're marketing to and that mm -hmm. you're sourcing this name that you're calling your business. And they have to feel it. It has to be something likable. Mm -hmm. I was listening to someone talk about a singing group that wasn't a singing group. They were actually two kids that were in the mall that were really dressing really, really nice. And they were kind of in front of the, the evolution of the dress code was becoming in the, in the music world. They were just walking around the mall and this music producer mm -hmm. saw them and asked them, who were they? And they said, no, we're just some cool kids. <laughs> so <laughs> he turned them into one of the hottest groups. And that group, you probably don't know them, but was Crisscross. Oh, they were yeah. oh come on. I know yeah. Crisscross. Everybody knows Crisscross. They, they were wearing their clothes backwards. and so Crisscross was my first cassette tape that oh I purchased my with my own money. It might have been mine, too. He told the story about that group. They weren't rappers. They weren't anything. They were just guys that were in the mall look. walking that had a look. And he turned that group into one of the hottest groups at that time. And, and so I think it's pivotal because they were wearing their clothes backwards. And he just called them crisscross. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you notice that all that day during that time, people were wearing their clothes backwards, changing their shoestring colors out from one shoe to the next. And I think that that's what people like about our name, Sheer Sheer, Sheer Sheer. We always, they always talk about how you say it three or four times and how it's a tongue twister. And it's just a, it's just pretty to look at even after you say the name and actually put it on paper. It just looks pretty. And we never thought about it like that. We were just trying to find a name that could resonate to the industry. And that and, represented what and we do. On and represented what we did. And, yeah. and being able to utilize a pair of shears mm -hmm. in that name. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, I think a name, like Ty said, is pivotal, right? Like I'm, like I'm looking at our bottles of water right now that we're drinking, and the name of it is Essentia. Hate to give away free advertising, but, um, <laughs> but, but just even in in that name, like, you feel Chipotle, like now this. 
I know. Here we go. See, come on. I need these. I need these sponsorships to come our way. Um, but but I even remember too that our son, when he was younger, and you guys know he's out at the Air Force Academy now. Uh, but when he was younger, he wanted to make more money than what we were providing um, as far as chores, right? And so we said, okay, well, what do you think you can do? He was like, well, I think I can walk dogs. I was like, oh, yeah, that would be a good one, you know, because our neighborhood has lots of dogs and people may, you know, this is back when people were actually going to work nine to five, you know, people may want you to do that definitely on the weekends, you know, give them some time to not to worry about it. And we even went through a little branding experiment with him and he ended up naming his company Fast and the Furious. I thought that was like the cutest name. And so, so yeah, I guess marketing and names mean a lot to us, um, especially mm-hmm. as a family, small entrepreneurial family. But it has to be something that you know resonates with people and that easily communicates what it is that you do. How formal is your messaging about the company and the product? Is that something mm-hmm. you're documenting? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and it has to be, right? Because, I mean, it takes you know, somewhere between three to eight times for someone to hear either your name or your your company's message before they go, oh yeah, I've heard of that company before. And so if you continue to say different things over and over and over again, you're only confusing the market. And so it's almost like you have to say, you know, we're A plus B plus C. And even though it, you may tire of saying, okay, sure, sure, we're A plus B plus C over and over and over again. It's not going to catch on until you know, it strikes a chord with someone, but you have to be consistent in that way. Hence why you have the big gargantuan of a business called Amazon today who started selling books. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we know that you learned a lot when you were starting out. It sounds like you really paid attention to what your users, your customers were saying to you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you like completely you know, got wrong in terms of messaging and, and you learned that you've got to talk about it in a different way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a few things that we had to talk about in a different way, especially when it came to such a fragmented industry. When you think mm-hmm. about this industry from different perspectives, you, know, you may go into a great clips or sports clips and think of it one way. Sports clips and great clips are commission based. You may go into a salon spa and think of it one way and it could be just a mom pop commission base and then you may go into a solo salon suites and they're a totally different business and then you may come into a business like mine and i play both sides of the fence commission and uh, booth rental so you have to make sure that in a fragmented industry that your your message comes off as community because when you're talking to people it, it stirs you're stirring the pot to where you're putting one person on one side of that fence and the other person's on the other side. And so you have to make sure that you're bringing them together, letting them know that this is a win-win. It doesn't matter if you're commission-based, booth rental, salon suite. It doesn't matter if any of those. This is an ecosystem that we're building to have these licensed professionals who are looking for a place to work benefit not only you, but it also benefits them. And so this is a B2B platform. So I think that when you think the acronyms of B2B, B2C, a lot of people haven't yet understood that those acronyms in the beauty industry, because we're just such regular people with an artistic mind, great use of our hands, great use of our eyes. With those talents, you're not thinking technology. You you can go to social media, you can go to Uber and catch a ride, but you're not thinking about the business side of it because you're so this, this industry is so fragmented and there are so many different people and so many different levels to this industry that you now have to educate people in a way that they've never been educated. And so you're starting from the bottom and you're working your way up. 
to get people to understand. Now, some people will get it. I think that younger people will get it. I think that business-minded people will get it. But I think those artistic people who don't understand the jargon, who don't understand uh, the level of benefit that this will have to them, will really understand that first. So it's not only going to take three to eight times. It's going to take you know three to five years to really implement and, and really push this whole new creation of behavior down their understanding of their minds and really get them to, to realize, wow, I see what they're doing. I didn't get it at first. I was the same way with Uber. I was the same way with Airbnb. <laughs> I didn't use Uber for the first five years. I didn't use Airbnb until I went out of the country. I didn't understand why did I need this platform until I really decided to use it. And I think that that's going to be the same case for Shisha. And see, me being the, the marketeer, you know, I would say I would answer that question differently. I would say, no, our messaging has always been consistent <laughs> and, <laughs> and there have been no issues. But really, though, I think back and and even our tagline has not changed. You know, it's still rent salon space whenever, wherever. And we were very thoughtful about that because we wanted it to be an action that both served the purpose of the stylist who needed to rent salon or barbershop space by the day, but oh, also yeah. of the host, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because as a host, oh, I can rent my salon space whenever, wherever. Oh, um, they're good. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. We try. We try. But I will say we did experience an epic fail when we went to Facebook early on. We were working with one of our demand gen experts um, when we were in the 500 startups program. And we said, okay, great. Well, we have, you know, these stylists who have booked, we have these salon and barbershop owners who represent our host. Um, let's upload this list to, to Facebook and kind of do a lookalike audience. Right. And then I'm expecting, you know, the faucet to all of a sudden be turned on. And it was like crickets. You're like, what's going on? And that was more so when different platforms were starting to get the buzz a little bit more. So like Instagram was really coming online and people were leveraging that um, and not spending as much time on Facebook or just the reason why people chose to log into Facebook was changing. And so we had to recognize that and say, okay, well, we can't continue to, you know, pump the little money that we were trying to spend um, mm -hmm. into making something work that wasn't going to work organically. In those descriptions, I think you both touched on another aspect that's really interesting and hard and confusing, which is how broad do you go? You know, how broad is your user persona? How broad do you go in the market? And I think that's something I I think every single company faces mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. like, are we going to go industry yeah. specific? Are we building the persona of a specific title within the company or is it like a general profession? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and we, we had that same question early on. But again, to, to reference you know, sport and like baseball, we were just catching everything that was being thrown to us. So we had no time to try to figure out, oh, what's the typical sheer share persona look like? Now, thankfully, we, we've had an opportunity to take a breath and you know pull our heads above water and go, oh, yeah, if we can find this archetype, this is typically the person who's going to convert fastest and more often than others. And this is what he or she looks like. And so thankfully, you know, we have been able to collect a lot more data over these years to be able to answer those types of questions. But yeah, in the beginning, you're fielding a new customer, a new client, a new user, and then if they are open to it, you're asking them questions about themselves so that you can kind of take note of that and try to copy and paste as much as possible. So you hired a head of growth recently, yes. right? Yes. I think they've started now. Mm -hmm. Yep. July 1st. 
you know, how have the responsibilities of you personally and, and the team as you've grown shifted and who's doing what and, and what's important to do? So we used to be very much on the at the execution level, right? So even like posting on social or authoring different blogs. I mean, you name it, Ty and I were, were part of that process and doing it ourselves. It's been so good to have um, our new head of growth, and he's now brought on three additional people, and he's hiring two more as we speak. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. exactly. Great. The team is like multiplied like a little gremlin in a good way, like a cute gremlin, not a, not a cute gremlin, <laughs> a very One cute One that, that hasn't been fed after many. There you go. There you go. And so it does feel good, finally, that I get to wake up in the morning, not like in a cold sweat, thinking about all the things that we need to get done. And it, it's amazing. When you kind of have that quiet time in your own head, you are reminded of certain things. So, you know, I hadn't had a chance these last, gosh, four years, three years to think back to some of the basic nuts and bolts that I, you know, was always brought onto different teams to do, right? So now we're looking at, you know, analyzing the number of touches by content type in order to get to a conversion. We're looking at how that thought leadership plays out in converting somebody from an install to a booking or from an install to a brand new post. We're looking at the time to speed for that conversion rate. And so these are all things that we knew in the back of our minds, but we had never been able to kind of lay out that sheer share stylist or sheer share salon and barbershop owner kind of journey and then start to map in all the data that we know and all the trends that we were seeing and all the information that we have to paint like a pretty picture. And now we've been able to kind of take a breath and do those things and then have a team that is passionate about executing and and serving the best industry in the world. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. What is the average journey? What are you learning? Oh, well, it depends on where they come in from. Mm. Right now, we're still 40% organic, which is great. Uh, but then after that, it's, it's 30 plus percent that find us um, through Google, whether that's paid search or through our SEO efforts. And that's great. And those seem to have, even though Google is like our lowest cost per acquisition channel today online, those seem to have the swiftest conversion rate and they book more often, more frequently. So by that, for example, like if someone is sitting at their computer and they're typing, you know, we're in post-COVID world right now, so maybe their salon got shut down, but they still have 30 clients that they have to figure out how to schedule. And so they're trying to find professional workspace near them. So they are literally typing in, you know, rent salon space by the day or like small salon suite rental, right? And so because their propensity to purchase is a lot higher because of the words that they're typing in and they find us those seem to convert a lot faster. And like I said, a lot more rapidly. The people that are being added to the marketing or growth team now, what are their roles and responsibilities and what's driving mm-hmm. that growth? So definitely content creation, right? So we know that short form written content, short form digital content, you know, our, our industry is, you know, we're all about the aesthetics, right? So it's got to look good and it's got to be a simple message and it has to make sense. So, you know, we're kind of in the world of edutainment, if you will, where we're educating people on the value and benefit that Shearshare provides. Um, yes, we're an app. Yes, we have these business resources to help you grow and manage your business from behind the chair. But there's so much more that's coming with that if you just trust us and become a part of our community. But we know that capturing their attention 
with short form content is something that is going to always keep us top of mind. They're not going to feel like they have to read an entire you know, 16 page white paper to understand what we're doing. And then even in their off hours where maybe they're sitting around waiting for their next client, they may happen to come over to the Share Share Instagram or the Share Share TikTok channel and they can kind of get a couple of laughs in, right? Because somebody is there who who is pirating back to them what we all experience as stylists and salon owners on a given day. And so it makes you feel good. It makes them, when they leave that page, to remember Share Share and how we left an indelible mark on their heart and made them kind of smile throughout their day. But also it reminds them of how we're in this thing together because we, we've been where they are. You know, like my husband can talk to anybody about, oh, you're a barber at year one. This is what you're going to experience. Oh, you're a salon owner at year 18. Okay, this is probably what you're going through right now. And these are all the humps and, and hurdles that we had to face to get over. And we're just trying to lower that bar of entry for everybody who chooses this pathway as their career. I'm so intrigued about your use of TikTok. I have, no, I have not ventured into the TikTok realm. I hadn't either until the youths, the, the, youths. Uh, the, the youths, right? Yeah, the kids, the kids. But no, our newest hires were like, you guys are not on TikTok? Like, and I'm like, no, TikTok, that's for like the babies. Like our son is on TikTok. And then people are just learning dances. They're like, oh, no, no, no. Like clearly you're not thinking about this the right way. And so, you know, they didn't have to twist our arm too much, but we gave them levity to, you know, represent the brand in a fun and engaging way. And they've been doing a great job. You guys got to check out our, our TikTok channel. I, that's amazing. I actually, I had a friend asked on Twitter today, if anyone knew of any TikTok agencies, like they're like, is this, is this a thing yet? Can I just outsource this? I don't think it's a thing yet, but yeah, I think everyone was like, I don't think become, so. Yeah, not yet, but it, it's coming though. It's coming. Cause I think a TikTok agency, like you got to think about, you're going to have to find writers for the content and cause everything is like in bite-sized snippets. Right. And so that's a very different mindset from like my days at, you know, Oracle or Zendesk or Zenefis or Qualtrics, where it was like white papers, right? And mm -hmm. that's how we got people in. Or, you know, we're going to do this webcast. It's going to be an hour long. And hopefully 50% of people are still on after minute 45. And right. so that's not the world that we live in today, even for brands like an Oracle or like, you know, an Amazon or like an Uber or an Airbnb. Like we all have to shift with how the industry, how the world is moving. And if we don't, this rising generation is going to leave us behind. Now I'm scared. Yeah, now I'm sorry. TikTok. We got to end early because I have to uh, start our TikTok account. <laughs> Come up with a cute name. Come up with a cute oh, name. I think you gosh. already have one, though. So I think you're good. When, um, you know, making the move from such a big company like Oracle and a big marketing team, mm -hmm. was there and anything? A big budget. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to go the opposite route, which is, is there anything about how that all operated that you were like? I will never run my own marketing team like this or, um, you know, I can't wait to get away from that and, and start. Yeah. I want to say this. I think that mm -hmm. what I've learned, you know, working with my wife as being a part of the marketing team and lead marketing and all things she shit when we first started. I'm scared. Is that she's very scared <laughs> because when they hired her at Oracle and all these other companies that Oracle acquired, she was running in a lane that had her at a certain tier. So I think she was at a higher tier to run marketing at that level. And she didn't really engage with those below her. She pretty much didn't have to delegate because she only delegated to the person that she was the boss of. And so she didn't see those undergirding layers. Mm -hmm. So I think that when it came to building it from the ground up, 
it, it, she was frazzled a little bit. She understood it from a macro level, but she didn't understand it from a micro level as much as she, because she was, she was already there. I mean, once you get to a certain point, you can always look back and say, okay, well, I've done this. I mean, I can always go back to when I first started in this industry. But as you graduate to the to tiers and to levels, it's not hard to recognize what it's like to go to the bottom again, but you don't necessarily want to. And, and you know the work it takes to get there. So I think that as Courtney was was helping to build Share Share, she was having to be everybody from the bottom all the way to the top. And I think that those layers right there sometimes can get a little bit complex as far as timing, as far as uh, workload, as far as not having to report to anybody but yourself. So it can it can be a little bit much, and especially on the mental uh, aspect of it, when you're when there are so many other things you have to do and build on that level. And that's outside of just marketing, but legal and then payments and then mm-hmm. insurance, all the things. So I feel you know, like you've been stalking me. Uh, yeah, been- much so. <laughs> okay. uh, right. I have to I'm listen to that. it at dinner, <laughs> at breakfast, when we wake up at two or three o'clock in the morning. When we're walking a dog. This is going to be published publicly. You know If that. we're resting after our run. So you get a chance to understand. And so yeah. as a visionary, as a beginner, a person who starts businesses and brings people on and have the vision, you know, I have the opportunity and the luxury to make sure that I bring in the right people. And I've always knew that Courtney was a, a, a great executioner when it came to helping to build something because she owns it. She likes to see the mm-hmm. artistry of yeah of her work come to life, not only come to life, but she likes to put her stamp on it. But when it gets a little frazzled for her, watch out. You don't want to deal with that, Courtney. Just feed me vegan chocolate chip cookies and I'll be fine. Yeah, and I do my little, my little precious smile. <laughs> That's true. He has this face that he makes when I'm starting to get a little flustered and it just immediately calms me down again. <laughs> but no, I do have to agree with my husband on that. You know, just being the, you know, the founder of a startup, you wear so many different hats and, and wearing different hats came naturally to me anyway. But I'm also such the, I hate to use the word perfectionist. I just like to do things well. Okay. You can say that. <laughs> I just like to do things well. And even more so like everything that we put out represents us, right. As, as the founders, as the individuals, like sheer share is our legacy that we're giving you know, to the world. And so every period has to be in the right place. Every comma has to be in the right place. And really, I learned that when I was working in full-time ministry for four-ish, five years, um, we had you know, very small budgets. But at the time, the, the lady who was the president and CEO of this uh, ministry is based here in Dallas, well, was such a perfectionist. And I can actually use that word to describe her. She's such a perfectionist. And we had, you know, limited everything. So it was re- really just like working in a startup environment, limited money, limited people, limited resources, limited time, et cetera. And everything going out represented her family and, yes, the ministry. And so uh, I guess I kind of have taken that on. But I'm so glad I went through that type of experience because that has crossed over into so many different parallels as I you know, moved on to corporate America. But to answer your question, though, about things that I would not want to do again, when I think about just corporate in general, I always feel that it's like the Titanic in a certain way. Not in the sinking sort of Titanic way, but in like the big, massive ship, like the sheer size of it. Like so many different pieces have to be moving in concert. The alignment has to be just right. And sometimes you're literally just going in the same direction for like years on end or at least quarters on end. Right. Right. Hard to change direction. Hard to change it. But when that baby moves like an inch south, like, oh, my gosh, like be careful because like the waves are going to be pulling. And so 
I, I felt that in corporate America, but I always knew that I'm just a naturally swifter moving person. And so my mind moves so quickly. And so I will be in a meeting with some of our team members. Thankfully, we have five now on the marketing team. And, you know, Monday will look completely different from Tuesday. Or, you know, I won't feel bad about changing the focus um, or the theme of a campaign 48 hours before we were going to move with that, right? Because of something that we've read, something that we've heard, something that we've seen or experienced, whatever the market is telling us. And being able to have a team that can also turn on a dime is very, very important. So definitely having a fast moving team who can think just as quickly and execute just as quickly um, and be able to push content out is very vital to what we're doing today. How did you know it was the right time to hire your first marketer? <laughs> Ty's faces weren't working anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, babe. They always work. Um, some days, you know, you're, you're sitting in front of your computer about to shut down for the evening and you're like, okay, I have these five things that I need to get done tomorrow. Like that's going to be at the top of the priority list. And when those lists start, to expand to like double, triple digits even, and you're not seeing any headway and being able to cross those things off, that's when I feel, you know, naturally it's time to, to pull somebody in. Thankfully, you know, the team members at Share Share will wear many different hats. And so while we're looking for, you know, that perfect person to come in and, and aid in, in this journey that we're all on, you know, someone else may, you know, take over the TikTok or someone else may do the Instagram for right now until we hire that subject matter expertise. But yeah, when, when the lists start to feel like they're not moving in the right direction, like things are not starting to get crossed off, that's when it's easy to look up and go, yeah, th this is something that it would be expensive for me to focus on with my time versus giving it to someone who can put 100% of the love and attention into it that it deserves. And how did you decide on growth as that first person? We've known that we wanted to have a head of growth for a while. It was just finding the right person. And while we were looking for the right person, we leveraged um, agencies, we leveraged consultants, leveraged contractors, but I was still the person who was deciding what that strategy was. And then the staff augmented group would be the, the team that was running with it. Right? Let's just keep it real, guys. Let's just keep it real. When you're, when you're building a team like we are and you're building a company, we can't do it all. I mean, no matter how much we try to think about it, no matter how much we put ourselves in this business, we just can't do it all. We need experts. And so we're good at what we do and we can do so much to a point. But when you need to hit home runs, you need to get your team together that can really help work what you're building. And it, it was key that we got ahead of growth. It was key that we got someone that could understand what we needed when it came to product and what building partnerships was like. So that was, those were key components and key add-ons to this company. And I would even say, too, I probably had to be ready because marketing is so near and dear to what I have done day in and day out of my career that I had to be ready to entrust someone with that, you know, and not be the person that said, oh, just let me do it myself or I can do it better, right? I had to be ready to say, nope, getting it done is better than being perfect. Although I do go back and, like I said, make sure every period, every comma, is that a semicolon? Is that an M dash versus an M dash? And so She's definitely like that. I am that person. I'm the person reading our bulletins at church on Sunday, you know, editing them in my head. But yes, I had to be ready as well to be able to, to say, yeah, I, I'm good with you owning this 
and me over here if you need, you know, feedback or insight. And that ready was, I'm frustrated. I'm doing it. <laughs> we got to get somebody else to help me. <laughs> that is true. So you are wrapping up with Google Accelerator this week. Oh, don't remind me. Sorry. Don't remind me. I say that because... I swear we've added like 25 people to the ShareShare team just because of that. And so I'm, I'm going to miss not having 25 team members to talk to every week. We appreciate you taking the time away from demo week, preparing for demo day, yes. I guess, to talk yes, with us. tomorrow. Can you give us a sense of, of what this wrap-up period has been like and what tomorrow's going to be like? DD is tomorrow, yes, 11.30 to 1 o'clock Central Standard Time. It is open to the public, so if anyone's interested in seeing these 12 amazing companies that are part of the inaugural Google for Startups Accelerator Black Founders Program, please feel free to actually, you can just Google it. <laughs> just Google uh, <laughs> Black Founders Demo Day, and you'll find the, the link to register and sign up. It's been but like yeah. graduating early from college and going through uh, instead of going through four years, a real intense three years, and you want to celebrate, but you're so, so tired and you got so much stuff thrown on you and you just sit back and you're celebrating because you're at the end. But at the same time, a lot of people don't really understand that you really should enjoy the journey and not the final, final of mm -hmm. it. And so we've been really just taking the back yeah. step and just kind of looking at this thing in a slow motion type yeah. uh, way and just enjoying just the finality of this week. Yeah, my husband's really good about that. He, he will stop me in my tracks and say, babe, you know, when we get there, wherever there is, right? Like, you're going to miss the journey. Like, the, the fun is in the journey, whether that's a good day or a not so good day. And so, so we really have tried over these last two weeks to you know, take it in stride. Although any accelerator, anyone who's been through a startup accelerator knows that it's just a big forcing function, right? To, you know, get everything aligned, to really fine tune your priorities. It's a great experience. So if anyone's interested in or thinking about or even considering doing an accelerator program, we highly recommend them. But at the same time, while you're going through it and running on 10 every single day, try to take time out to breathe a little bit and lift your head up and go, wow, like this is kind of cool. Like this is very fun. Like this is what I'm learning that I didn't know, you know, just a week ago. I think that what Courtney's didn't understand that I've understood from over 20 years ago is that when you're building something from scratch, mm -hmm. you're going to hit every emotion. I think a lot of people love it. And I, I never forget one of my mentors says nothing just happens. No one just wakes up and win an Olympic record. No one just wakes up and graduates from college with a master's degree. No one just wakes up and becomes president of the United States. None of those things just happen. There's a journey that goes with that. And when you reach that finalization of that place called there, when you're going through it, you don't see it. You're going to be like, man, it was worth it. It wasn't worth it when you was going through it. It was just the journey, it, it, but in the end, it's worth it. And you re you really wish you could go back mm -hmm. and you could just savor those moments and relish in them. But it's really hard to do that with all the stuff we've accomplished and all the magazines and all the writings that we've been in. We couldn't really see it, you know what I'm saying? Because we were so busy doing the work and we have so far to go. And, you know, we love the love that we're getting, but we, we know we have so far to go. We know that we've gotten great investments from great investors, but we have so far to go. And I think that what we have to do is just slow down and, and just really smell the roses and enjoy enjoy the moments and, and times to really get there. And I think that that's what was hard for Courtney because 
when you're hired on companies like uh, Oracle, Larry Ellison can probably tell you what it was like to first start it, Oracle, and to get to those certain points and to hire those people. And then you go to Oracle in Redwood City and you see that big yacht out there in his lake. <laughs> it just didn't happen overnight. So, you know, it's one of those things that, that you sit back like, wow, how did he do it? We're doing it. So yeah. we now understand how we're doing it, how he did it. Is your presentation for Demo Day going to be, for those who have seen a Demo Day, some of the, the presentations can be fairly typical. They're sort of a general pitch, or is it through the lens of data and Google and, and that kind of thing? For us, it's a little bit of a, a mashup, right? Mm-hmm. Because the last 10 weeks has all been about machine learning and AI. And so we would have been remiss, right, if we you know spent our four minutes not talking about the goodness that has come out of the program and, you know, these 25 Googlers who have really become a part of the ShareShare family overnight. So yeah, you'll see a little bit of that and hopefully you guys will be able to tune in to catch it live. Awesome. And am I right? You have maybe some other news to share? Was there some funding? <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's, you know, may I be so bold? <laughs> right. Yes. We have finished raising our seed round during the oh, pandemic. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. And some amazing people. I mean, we have, you know, Charles Hudson from Precursor coming back in. Our friends over at Rise of the Rest, David Hall and and Steve Case. We have Bread and Butter Ventures um, with Mary Grove. We have new investors, Jalen Smith, who's a Dallas Cowboys football player. Uh, We have Bumble Fund, the Saxe Family Fund. Uh, Lightspeed Venture Partners to their scout program, Jason McBride and Veronica. They, I mean, it's it's like the, if we could put together the perfect people, you know, and, and like not leave ventures, which is out of Austin, Texas. Like we love having homegrown supporters a part of our cap table. But if we could have put on a chess table what people we would have wanted in this round, that's exactly uh, what we ended up with. And Arlen Hamilton coming in, she's always supported Share Share since day one, um, and having her back in this round has been it's been so good. That's huge. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So much love. Did you also get Google funding? Yes. Through the accelerator or separate? Mm -mm. Completely separate. Yeah. You did not have to be a founder going through the accelerator in order to interview or apply for the, for Google's $5 million black founders fund. So they just announced that last week, like not even a total week ago via TechCrunch and you know what Jason Scott and Jewel Burke Solomon are doing. It's it's amazing. They even had us on a quick Zoom call with with Sundar Pichai, CEO of Alphabet and Google, and it was amazing because he he really wants to hear you know how we are impacted, right? And he really wants to hear how Google can help even further. And so he doesn't take that and just do it as like a PR hub, right? It is all about I'm hearing this. And if Google is able to action on something to drive the needle forward in some way, whether it be social, economic, whatever, um, then I'm going to do it. And he always moves like he always is. He's definitely a gentleman of action. We appreciate that about Google. I think the other note I had to check in with you on, especially now you're wrapping up the Google Accelerator, is y'all wanted to hire a data scientist. Yes. Now that one is still open. Okay. We do have about 30 solid resumes that we're, we're going through as we speak. But if anyone is interested in building something that truly impacts you know, people's lives on a day-to-day basis, like we are 
literally helping to keep small businesses open and doing it for the second largest industry of freelancers. Like hit us up at shearshare.com. Everything's available. Job breaks up on our careers page. Just go to shearshare.com slash about and submit your resume. That's great. Well, thanks again, as always, for joining us and sharing your your honest stories. <laughs> My husband is always, always very honest. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I love it. No filter. I'm Everybody needs to hear this. No filter time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love them. If folks want to check out your job listings or learn more about Shearshare, what's the best way to do that? Well, now they can go to our TikTok page. <laughs> so, right, exactly. So there's that. <laughs> so in you, two seconds. Yeah, you, that's in two seconds. You can find everything you need. Uh, but no, we are Sheer Share across all social. We spend most of our time um, on Instagram and now TikTok. But feel free to join us over on Twitter as well. You can email us directly if you have a question or just like a thumbs up. My, my email is Courtney at Shearshare.com. Ty is Ty at Shearshare.com. That's T-Y-E. Or you can simply go to Shearshare.com and submit a question at the bottom of the page. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at GiantRobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at host at GiantRobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at CPytel. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.